Luke chapter number 10, please. Luke chapter number 10 today. And I'd like to talk to you out of the book of Luke chapter number 10. I'll be reading down about verse 38. I'll begin reading. And I... I was reading this week that Dr. Moody, the uh, Moody, preaching revival services across America. At one place he preached, he had 20,000 folks make their way under the tabernacle they had built there. And nobody that was saved was allowed to come and you had to buy a ticket. 20,000 a night came to hear the old man preach. I wonder if we bought, sold tickets for Sunday morning, what kind of crowd we'd have. (laughs) Things are changing, but not for the better. Amen. So if it's okay with you this morning, after 30 some years Passing this church, I thought I'd just come by and have an old-fashioned fit. Now, some of you young folk probably ain't going to enjoy preaching. You'd rather have a little bit of teaching. A lot of difference in preaching and teaching. The Bible said that Jesus went about the country preaching and teaching. So this morning, I'd kind of like to preach. You say, why? Because you probably won't be here tonight. And you look like you need some preaching. (laughs) You say, I'll leave. No, we got the doors locked. (laughs) And that's literal. I don't know if you know that or not. This place is harder to get in after the church starts than it is Fort Knox. There ain't a door open in this place. They won't even let me in my office till I get through. <laughs> We're living in a day of generalities. We really are. And uh, truth is no longer determined by the Word of God. Truth is determined by convenience, by profitability, and power. What used to be truth is relevant. Now think about that a little bit. If it's not appropriate or convenient or acceptable today, it is no longer truth. The Bible says, now it came to pass, verse 38 of Luke 10. Now it came to pass as they went that he, Jesus, entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat 
at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost not thou care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I want you to note today, I'd like to talk to you temporarily and very short this morning about the specifics of our Lord. The specifics, not relevance. How specific our Lord Jesus was in every area of his ministry and life. When he got through speaking, there was no doubt what he said. Whether folk liked it or not, whether they accepted or not, whether it was popular or not, it did not make any difference if he was speaking concerning marriage, church, gender, sexuality. They knew what he said when he got through saying what he said. Now everybody didn't like it. Everybody didn't agree with it. But there was no doubt when he got through what he had said. Would it be all right if I take the Bible for just a moment and illustrate it for you? John chapter 3. In your Bible, John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it will probably say something like this. There was a man of the Pharisee, the man named Nicodemus, who came to Jesus. And the Bible said that he came and he was asking our Lord some questions. In John chapter 3, and there was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. And the Bible said, and the same came by night, came to Jesus by night, said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do us the miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, now listen to me, watch this. See if you have any doubt at all what our Lord is saying when he gets through. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now there's no doubt in my mind that unless I am born again, 
There is no way I'm going to go to heaven. I don't care what religion you're in. I don't care what belief you might be. You say, preacher, that's revelant. You can go to any church and go to heaven. No, you can go to all churches and go to hell. And Jesus said, I don't care how you shine your shoes or how you brush your teeth. I don't care how much your deodorant costs and I don't care how much you gripe at your wife. If you're not born again, you're not going to heaven. Now, everybody may mix that up and everybody may say, well, Brother William Barger is so narrow that a flea could sit on the bridge of his nose and kick both eyeballs out at one swat. Now, they may say that I'm real narrow, but truth is narrow. This is not relevant. Whether you accept it, whether you do not accept it, whether it's appropriate for the time, whether it's taught in our colleges or not, Jesus was very plain. He said, if you don't get born again, you're going to go to hell. Does anybody understand that? You see how specific he was? And I'm glad he was specific because I got saved one day because I believe that verse. I believe that whole context. Now, I didn't understand it. I really didn't. But Nicodemus didn't understand either. Nicodemus is a theologian. Nicodemus is an educated man. Nicodemus can quote most of the Old Testament word perfect. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was an educated man and he didn't understand what Jesus was saying. How in the world can I, who am old, enter the second time into my mother's room and be born? Don't it sound good? Jesus said, Nicodemus, marvel not, I send thee. You are one dumb sucker, he said. That's revelant. Nicodemus said, I don't understand. How can I be born when I'm old? Can I enter the second, if you read the rest of the verse, can I enter the second time in my mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, no. Now, Nick, you need to understand something. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Because that which is flesh is flesh and that which is spirit is spirit. Now, is Matt operating, a, is Matt up there? Did your wife have that baby the other night? Well, if you're asleep at night and you're really, really sawing a log mat and you're just so happy in Jesus, if all of a sudden you feel like the bed has been flooded, <laughs> and you say something is leaking. That will be your wife's water bag, bag of water break. That which is born of the water and the spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. But everybody here knows their birthday. And except you be born again, except you have a recognition and realize in your heart that you have had a second birthday when the Spirit of God 
come to live within your heart. And eradicated all of your sin. Set your feet on a solid rock. Establish your going. And put a new song in your mouth. Even praise unto our God. Can anybody say amen? Thank God. Nick, you need to understand now, son. Unless you have been born of the water, you ain't here yet. But if you have had a natural birth, then if you want to see heaven, you must have a spiritual birth. Nick said, I don't understand that. I'm a theologian. I don't understand that. And he said, well, the spirit listeth where he wills or the wind blows where it will. You cannot not tell from whence it cometh cannot tell whence it goeth. Oh, that's on down there in chapter number three of the book of John. But so is every man that is born of the Spirit. It was 50 some years ago in my living room it was. And just an ignorant sinner knelt by his couch. Knelt down there with tears in his eyes. And a broken heart because of a sinful life he was living. And he knelt there that evening and just said, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner on my way to hell. Would you please forgive me for my sins? And the Spirit of God, like the wind, I did not see from whence it came, but I know where it went. And I stood up a brand new creature in Christ. When is your second birthday? You don't need the date, but you sure need the experience. Because that's the day my sins were washed away. And Jesus don't beat around the bush about it. He just says... If you ain't got it, what you need to do is hurry up and get it. Because we don't know when our time is going to come. Be specific. Why don't you today just come and go to heaven with me? Now, you don't have to go today. and We don't have to catch the next boat. But don't you think we ought at least get the ticket? You say, I'm too mean. Are you kidding? I've seen guys get saved so mean they'd have to handcuff themselves at night to keep them from choking themselves to death and nursing. <laughs> they ain't nobody too mean for God to love and to forgive. Now, you've never sank so low or done anything so mean or hung out with the roughest of all that Jesus Christ can't come into your heart and eradicate and wash all your sins away. Set your feet on the rock and write your name in the Lamb book of life. He'll do that today because he speaks 
in specifics. He does not beat around the bush. He says you either got it or you ain't. You're a saint or an ain't. You've been born again or you're lost and on your way to hell. Not your choosing, of course. Did you know that your mom and daddy were sinners? Now, my daddy was a real sinner. They kicked my daddy out of the Baptist church for whooping a guy in a hog pen. Daddy could have told him he's whooping the hogs and just missed the hogs and hit the guy, but kicked my daddy out of the Baptist church. But thank God they didn't kick him out of heaven because I, I know where he is today. Jesus was specific. I probably need to be more specific because it looks like I'm about to run out of time. In your Bible, Luke chapter number 11, Jesus was very specific when he talked to some folks. And in Luke chapter number 11, Jesus was kind of specific. And in verse 37, the Bible said, and he spake certain, and, he, and as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him, and he went in and sat down to eat. Verse 38, and when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he did not first wash before he died, before he dinner. And his Pharisee said to our Lord, verse 39, Now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inner parts is full of raven and wickedness. Our Lord is speaking to a religious man. And the Bible said that our Lord said, Ye fools, did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also? Verse 44, And woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are as graves which appear not. But the men that walk over them are not aware of them. In other words, you bury your bodies and then mow the yard so you can't see where the graves are. You put clothes on, perfume on, wear a tie and Baptist looking shoes and come to church. But on the inside, you're rotten as hell itself. Hypocrites, show-offs, professors but not possessors. You look like you're saved. You talk like you're saved. But you and God know what's in your heart. Matthew chapter 23 says, you're like whited sepulchers or caskets, beautiful on the outside, 
but on the inside, you're full of dead man's bones. You look good, you think bad. Sunday, you look like a Baptist. Monday, you look like something else. Well, I'd get saved if there wasn't so many hypocrites in the church. Come on in, there's room for one more. We gladly accept you. You have too many cliques in the church. Just come in here and start one of your own. Quit making silly excuses. One thing about it, when Jesus said something, there wasn't any doubt about it. Now, if you're mad at me, it's because you're mad at Jesus because I've read what he said, not what I said. But he's very specific. Have you noticed that? And you know, people don't like when you tell them their dog is ugly. <laughs> Boy, I made a terrible mistake. Polly and Butch might remember this. I went to see one of their babies just born in that window. You know, you're looking through the window at the baby. And you say, which one belongs to you? Does all of them looked alike to me. And there was a little lady standing right here by me while I was looking at the babies. Somebody said, this one belongs to Butch. I was thinking out loud. I said, that's the ugliest baby I've ever seen. <laughs> no, nothing meant Butch about that. But that's, I don't know which one baby it was. That's the ugliest baby I ever saw. And grandmother was standing right here listening. <laughs> That's when you don't need to be specific. I said, well, ma'am, everything is relevant. <laughs> All of them looks the same to me. But now, the reason you're having some problems with this message is, is nobody likes to be told their dog is ugly. And what I'd like for you to do today is take a look at you and not somebody else. Amen. Get your eyes on your dog, not somebody else's. Because Christ's love, he was not vague nor ambiguous, but he was very specific about the truth. Now notice, I want to show you something. Verse 38 of Luke chapter 10. It's 1147 right now. Luke 10. Watch this. How specific our Lord was. And the Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went, our Lord is on the way to Jerusalem, there to be crucified Buried in the third day, raised again. And as they went on the way, they went and he entered into what kind of village? Not just any village. And what kind of woman? A certain woman named Martha. God always deals 
in specifics. Throughout the Bible, a certain man, a certain place, a certain woman, a certain child, on and on, God always deals in specifics. Are you listening to me? He always does. Notice what made this woman so special. In the same verse, the Bible says, and Martha received him. That's quite unusual because the Bible said he came unto his own, but his own received him not. Not many folk received our Lord during his ministry. They hated him. Society rejected him. Everybody you can almost imagine that he came in contact with either rejected him or accepted him. And here the Bible says that she accepted him. The smartest thing that Martha has ever done in her life is when she opened her door and accepted Christ into her home. And the smartest thing I've ever done in my life, all of 79 years, the smartest thing that I've ever done, I've owned businesses, I've operated businesses, I've employed folks, I've started a church, I've been in evangelism, I've preached in churches all over this country. I mean, every day of the week. I have sang so many songs, they accuse me of billing Willie Nelson. I had to buy a wig to get that way. But I have but the smartest thing I have ever done not was not having Andrew. No, that wasn't it. The smartest thing that I ever done was not getting Mandy hooked up with me for the rest of my life. The smartest thing I've ever done. You'd like for me to say the day that I married Ginger. No, that wasn't the smartest day. That was the wisest day, one of the smartest day. But the smartest day, the smartest thing I've ever done is to look my Lord square in the face and say, I am a sinner that needs to be saved by grace. And that's the smartest thing I've ever done. The smartest thing that Martha ever did in her life. And the smartest thing some of you young folk will ever do in your life is to accept, receive him into your life. Because he's dealing with specifics. He knows your name. He knows you got a cell phone. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your thoughts before you think it. He knows your goings, your coming forth and your going out. He knows everything about you. And he loves you so much. Amen. He wants to save you. Give you eternal life. And give you purpose in life. Amen. Yes, he knows your name. I believe 50 some years ago, he looked down through the eons of time and said, Gene, what are you doing on your knees? Gene, watch those tears running down your hard, hard heart. Why are you in a beer joint last night? You're in a cockfight this weekend. You hurt folk. What are you doing on your knees? I said, Lord, I'm just a sinner. 
that needs to be saved by grace. And I stood up a heaven-bound child of God. (laughs) Still rotten as hell inside. But boy, did he give me a bath on the inside. The specifics of our Lord, he went to a certain woman. Notice now verse 39, who had a certain sister. Yeah. And she had a sister called Mary. Which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Notice the difference. Verse 39, one sitting at the feet. Verse 41, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Get the picture if you would, please. I believe Mary had been helping Martha in the kitchen. She got her work done. So she went out and knelt at Jesus' feet, began to worship our Lord. Imagine Martha (laughs) trying to finish the meal, if you would, please. She's trying to get everything put in the right place. Maybe she reaches up over her head to get another pan. It's full of flour. She pulls it off, turns it over, and the flour hits her in the face, hits her hair. She's trying to get the meal ready to sit on the table, and everything is just confused. And she's in a hurry and frustrated. Have you ever been confused and frustrated? You just like to choke somebody to death. You just need some help. Well, the best place to find it is at Jesus' feet. Let him help you with your meal preparation. Let him help you down at the job. Let him help you drive your car. Let him help you do your thinking. Let him help you in the relationship with each other. The best place to take your frustrations is at the feet of Jesus. Because he understands. He knows. He feels. The Bible said when he saw the multitudes, he was moved. Do you know today that our Lord is moved by what's going on in your life? You know you don't have to carry that burden by yourself. A certain woman had a certain sister, verse 40, who had a specific problem. Any of you ever had any problems? If you've got kids, you've got problems. If you're married, you are a problem. I got out of that one, did I not? Verse 40, and Martha, but Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to her and said, Lord, Lord, does not thou care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Nobody understands. She don't understand. Don't seem like you understand. Don't you understand? I'm alone. I've got to do all this by myself. I've got to 
carry this burden. I got to tote this load all by myself. My husband don't care. The brats that I've raised don't care. Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. The Lord was specific. We have here a priority problem. Verse 40. I'm in this ship by myself. Nobody seems to care. I'd like to say one thing. We'll go. Our lives reveal our priorities. Our priorities reveal our love and our worship. What you did last week was your priority. What you do next week will be your priorities. If you've got a problem, it's because your priorities have got you into trouble. Amen. It's only relevant when it comes to everybody else. But when it lands at your front door, it becomes real, does it not? And here this lady is who loves the Lord with all of her heart. She's so cumbered about with do, 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 that she forgot and left the Lord all alone. And she's trying to do it all by herself. You don't know anybody who would do that, do you? You know anybody who has the promise that call upon me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You don't know a Christian who would neglect the provision of prayer and try to do it all by themselves. You don't know anybody like that, do you? Could I ask you a question and we'll close? Why is your children so stinking worldly? Why do they want to be like the basketball players? Have you ever wondered why your kids are so worldly? Could they be having good examples at the house? And then you can blame the church for your kids not turning out right. Because of your priorities. There is no way in the world. Now this guy ain't got very much sense. I know that. He's just like his daddy. But that was planned. Did you hear me? This is no accident. I determined what kind of music he listened to. I determined what kind of men he hung around with and how long they hung. I determined who he went with, who he went with, how long he went with, and when they were coming back. He said, he can't think. Say what? Have you heard him preach? 
He's got a spiritual perception that I wish I had. Why is your kids worldly? Why don't they want to come to church? I'm just asking. Could it be they got good examples at the house? Didn't I tell you nobody liked when he told them their dog was ugly? Didn't I tell you that? Well, you folks don't look real happy right now. And I didn't even know you had a dog. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Me being a man is not relevant. Me being a man is truth. Why would you let your kids listen to this ginger crap? Or this ginger bull? Why would you even let your kid accept same-sex marriage? Preacher, you ought not say anything. Shut your mouth. Somebody needs to say something. And everything is not relevant. Morality is not relevant. Sexuality is not relevant. The Bible said male and female created in them plus nothing, minus nothing. Amen. Amen. Now, some folk can't do this. They might have to do this. But there ain't no doubt that you are a man or a woman. Well, I feel sorry for... No, 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 no. I don't feel sorry for anybody teaching falsehood. And I'm not going to send my kids down there. Let some wimp of a wimp confuse my kid about their sexuality. To me, that's not relevant. To me, that's false. To me, that's a lie. To me, that's of hell. To me, that's straight out of the pits of hell. Well... I think we better go. This old world is going to burden you and blind you and bury you. I'm sorry. Everything in this world today is shrouded in a cloud of revelance. Everything's dark and everything's fuzzy and everything's kind of relevant to what it is. And politics is shrouded in that. Preaching is shrouded in clouds of doubt. Dear God, whatever happened to say, you must be born again. And you look like whited sepulchers, beautiful and shined up on the inside but full of dead man's bones. Whatever happened to that kind of preaching? Whatever happened to the guy who would raise his voice like a trumpet against the sins of the people and call God's people to repent again? Whatever happened to that? Well, there's a certain woman in a certain village 
had a certain sister who had a certain problem with a certain and specific cure. Verse 42, we're done. One thing is needful. Mary hath chosen that which, that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. The cure of all our ailments, now listen, spending time with Jesus. You listen to me? Need to have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will answer by and by. <laughs> Is anybody here? Amen. You know what will help you? Is spending a little bit more time with Jesus. Amen. 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 If you've never been saved, and you've never been born again, you need to just once and for all accept his payment for your sin. And by faith, accept him as your personal Savior. And by faith, trust him when you die to get you to heaven. I was summoned years ago down to where the old St. Joseph Hospital was. It's where uh, the uh, big old feed towers and bins are there. Someone's ever caused an elderly saint of God would die. Cancer had just taken its cold on her, bless her heart. Been a, bad, been a Methodist all of her life. A good lady. Her nephew said she never heard her say anything off-colored in her life. I was asked to go to the bedside there and speak with her. As I walked up to the bedside my New Testament in my hand. I asked her, I said, Aunt Kelly, if you died right now, do you know heaven is your home? And Kelly, very weak, looked up at me and said, oh, preacher, I hope so. And I asked her, I said, Aunt Kelly, do you think maybe at this stage of the game, I hope so, not good enough. This good lady, faithful to attend church all of her life, never uttered verbally that anyone would say an ugly word. As she lay in that bed dying, she said, I hope I'm going to heaven. Now, I said, don't you think you need to kind of evaluate that? And Kelly, would you let me show you in the Bible how that you can be born again or saved? And with her weak, feeble voice, yes, preacher, I will. And I showed her, just simple. When I got through, I said, Aunt Kelly, would you like to once and for all receive Christ as your personal Savior? And with tears running down her eyes, so weak she could barely speak, she said, yes, preacher, I'd like to receive the Lord as my personal Savior. The most beautiful prayer probably I've ever heard in my life. I never shall forget it. She said, Lord Jesus, 
Please forgive me of my sins. And come into my heart, Lord, and save my soul. And when I die, let me lean on your ever-loving arms to carry me across. Oh, you can't better put it than that. Let me lean on your ever-loving arms to carry me across. And Kelly said, I'm going to heaven because I'm going with somebody that's been there. His name is Jesus. A couple days later, Aunt Kelly laid her head in the bosom of our Lord and he carried her across. There is no problem you have today that Jesus cannot fix. There's no load so heavy he cannot carry. There's no sickness so severe he cannot heal. And there's no situation in your life he cannot fix. So I ask you today in closing, is there anybody here who'd like to go to heaven with me? We'll not have to leave today, but I'd certainly like to see you when we all get there.